Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. of the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We are live simulcasting on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Inside Troy. And of course, coming at you on all of the different Peristyle Podcast platforms, wherever you get podcasts, you can listen to the Peristyle Podcast. Chris Trevino and myself are back. We haven't done one of these live ones in studio, I think since before the Cotton Bowl. So it's been a little while, but we're back. I just got back from a week in Hawaii covering the Polynesian Bowl and then a little vacation afterwards. Chris is back, was down uh, in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. He was also in San Antonio for the All-American Bowl. But we're all together again, and we're going to do a Peristyle Podcast here. Lots of stuff we want to get to today, because we got to talk about USC's schedule release. we got to talk about Kyle Ford going across town. My guy, Kyle Ford, uh, transferring to UCLA. I want to tell you all about what was going on in the Polynesian Bowl. A lot of USC targets, signees there, but also a couple targets, some big-name guys uh, that we want to get to over with that. But I want to welcome in Chris Trevino. He's right over here if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, Chris, what's going on, man? I'm a little cold, if I'm if I'm being honest. But I'll warm up in a little bit. But a little cold. Like you said, we haven't done a live in a while. I think the last live I did was the two-star one with Gerard on December 21st. That sounds weird to say out loud. But I think that's... We've done a couple podcasts, but I don't think we've done live. So it's been... It's been a minute, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there was a, there was, it was a big, that was a big one. Um, and if you're watching us live on YouTube, please uh, hit that uh, like button. You could subscribe to our channel for sure. The funny thing about when Kristen and Gerard went live, and I was watching this, I was back in uh, Massachusetts with my family for Christmas. We got a whole bunch of donations for some reason. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, Chris, you got your, you got your money for that one. So that was very cool. That was really kind of out of the blue, but that's one of the kind of cool aspects of doing these ones live on YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, thanks very much for doing this. I know we haven't done it for a while, but, uh, hit that like button, please subscribe. If you want that little bell for notifications, uh, when we do go live, that's great too. And if you're watching on the replay on YouTube, thanks for that as well. And of course, everyone listening out there in Peristyle podcast land on the audio, like, you know, you're going for a walk. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts in the car listening that way. We appreciate that as well. If you have any questions or comments for the show, we're going to get back going these, doing these regularly again. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. we got a couple of voicemails to play for you today. And also, if you have the Apple Podcasting app, if you're listening to us there, it really does help to grow the show if you leave us a five-star review and uh, some kind of, you know, uh, some review of five-star rating and then some kind of review. Uh, we've got a couple new ones. I know, Chris, you read one on the uh, composite the, on the composite podcast. Uh, we got one from, uh, it's F-W-E-H, get, I don't know. It's a really long name that doesn't really make much sense. But five stars, the USC podcast. What a fantastic collegiate crew. He says, the fresh-faced freshman, Jack Smith, He's the one that makes all the alumni say, I could never have gotten in with these new standards. The sophomore, sophomore, Chris Trevino, whose podcasting skill is only matched by his sleepiness. <laughs> if he does the 24-hour live stream, he'll be asleep by hour four. Uncle Rico Jr. shotgun in 1999, he could throw a baseball over a mountain 
or a Georgia Pine. He loves his snap counts and numerical stats. Would be interesting to see what the numbers are for references to his playing days. He'll talk about his playing days whenever you want him to talk about that. The senior citizen, Ryan, uh, his laugh is reminiscent of the doctor from The Simpsons. I, I like that one. The PhD candidate, Gerard, with, with an L, Gerald. Uh, Hurricane Martinez, he's an endless source of quality info. And Professor uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, he's like listening to Grandpa complain about politics at Christmas. You love his old school takes. He's not wrong, though. Hashtag bring back the toughness. So we got a, we got a whole like, college like, theme. I feel like all of those were uh, compliments except for mine. They were all compliments, I think. I mean, I was a senior citizen. Yeah, I mean, you literally played old volleyball dude on a on All American, so I think it I think it fits my acting, uh, yeah, career. Once every ten years, I get to do some kind of TV show. Uh, so this is Forgiven One sixty five, another five star review. Arizona Howard Jones, appreciate uh, all the podcasts and all the things USC football recruiting. Great content. Didn't really like cilantro until I got exposed to the brand ambassadors. Fight on. And then hashtag Meredith, Schla- Meredith Schlosser, Schlosser sponsor extraordinaire. Sorry, that was a that was a mouthful there for one hashtag. Um, yeah, brand ambassadors, baby. I love it. So thank you for all the reviews, and I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. Obviously, they've been awesome to us over the years. By the way, I listened to your show, the uh, you know the uh, Helium Boys podcast. Takeover, get- the Helium Boys takeover. The Helium Boys Takeover. You guys should have did that one live, too. You had a really nice Trader Joe's read there. Uh, so the snacks, and I, you, you went out and uh, used your gift card and just went crazy Just with went it. crazy. Just uh, threw down. Love it. Uh, yeah, I love I love going over to Trader Joe's. I uh, didn't go. I was in Hawaii. Uh, they wear the Hawaiian shirts. I'm not sure. I got to check to see if they're in Hawaii. I think they might not be in they're Hawaii. They're not in Hawaii. They're not in Shout Hawaii. out to CEO John for telling me that little fact, because when... They take those Hawaiian tours from people from Hawaii to Las Vegas. They clean out the Vegas stores and bring it back to the island oh. because they don't have uh, Trader Joe's at uh, in Hawaii. So fun fact for you. Yeah, and I, it was funny. Like I was like in, I was in Waikiki. You know, I was on uh, Oahu for the first you know five days covering the Polynesian Bowl, and you know it's, that's a city. It's just like whatever. You know, they don't have Trader Joe's, but they have a lot of other stuff. I went to Kauai for a little vacation. Never been to that island before. That's like. You know, they call it the Green Islands, like just lush and uh, not a lot of stuff, not a lot of shops, like hard to get Ubers. Like it's a lot more remote. So they, I could see people like just hoarding stuff and bringing things there uh, from anywhere. But yeah, thanks to Trader Joe's. Uh, it was awesome. Loved your guys' read last week. She did a nice job with that. Thank but you. Now I just got back last night. So I got to like head over to Trader Joe's today and kind of stock up uh, for the weeks ahead. So because I got to do I, no Trader Joe's for a week. I don't know what I was going to do. Um Yes. Live like a Hawaiian, apparently. Uh, it was good. And it is funny that they have all the Hawaiian shirts and, and stuff. So, But shout out to John. He's the best. And uh, we love him over there. I was at the Polynesian Bowl. So we cover recruiting events here, right? Uh, Sometimes. Yeah. I've been covering less of them, to be honest, lately, uh, which is, you know, fine. There's like a lot of stuff going on. We got more things going on. You know, you go to San Antonio. I go to Hawaii. Like, why would you? What would you why would you? Like... If you have to choose, why wouldn't you rather go to the Hawaii? I one? declined. I know. You could have gone. We had five-star Jarrett come. Five-star Jarrett Perez. Shout out to five-stars only Jarrett. Yeah. He uh, he was good. He talked to a couple more five-stars there. There were five-stars there. There were, as far as representation goes in a uh, a college, I mean, you know, a, a high school all-star kind of game, this is about as good as you're going to get. I mean, some of the 
like the Max Max Brown at the the Army Bowl back in the day. Like they had a whole bunch of dudes, um, you know, those kind of classes. But for you know these now, it's like weird because you got players that are already enrolled. It's not even like they're signed. It's like they're already in school, and then they come out and go to these All Star games or play in these All Star games. So we saw Quentin Joyner. I think you got to see him. Uh, yeah, the, San Antonio, you know, yeah, yeah. He was in San Antonio. Good game. Uh, Texas, Texas kid. Comes out to Hawaii. Uh, he looked pretty good out there when we got to see him. So he was one of the ones. Um, but, you know, the the big name, you know, Malachi Nelson, uh, he had a torn labrum. So we got to talk to him, but he didn't play. His arm was in a sling. But he was very active out there, you know, trying to do his recruiting stuff. His teammate, Makai uh, Lemon, uh, he was looking good, too. You know, uh, another kid that's enrolled at USC, but the Los Alamitos guy. So he's out there. He was out there playing and you know, the guy that probably impressed me the most is Zachariah Branch, the five-star out of uh, Bishop Gorman High School, wide receiver. He's just not the biggest guy as far as, like, height, but, like, his. It, it's like if you squished me down, like, all the muscle I have in a long leg, like, he, it's like in this short leg. He's Yeah, just, specifically you. Squish you down. Right. <laughs> uh, and, he yeah, he's probably still my weight, but, like, it just like his legs just look so muscular. When you see him make moves and cuts and stuff. Let me put a picture of him up there. Like he was just really uh, an impressive uh, looking kid and a great personality. And if you remember back in the day, uh, several years ago, Talanoa Hufunga was like my guy at the Polynesian Bowl. Don't, don't tell him who you, he interviewed. See if anyone can guess it in the chat. Yeah. Anyone check. Do you, you, I posted this already, but I had Talanoa interview a player, a highly, a highly ranked uncommitted prospect at the Polynesian bowl. And uh, if you want to do that, and I did it again. And with Zach, cause Zach's got the great personality too, besides, you know, all the moves and everything, just watching him run routes. It's crazy, but I had, a, this was a lot of fun. So I, you know, these things can be a little nutty. I asked Zach like, Hey, would you like to interview Roderick Pleasant? Cause they were buddies the whole week. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'd love to, but Pleasant had already gone to the locker room. So I'm like, okay, I guess we're not going to do it. Well, Zach branch goes into the locker room you know, they're getting changed or whatever and grabs Pleasant, brings it back out. They're out shirtless out here in Hawaii. Uh, this is uh, uh, at, at the high school up on the North Shore. Um, and so we go, so he, they bring it back out and he does the interview, like two minute interview. It was really fun. He had a really good time with it and uh, probably got Pleasant to say a lot more than anyone else did. So I thought he did a really nice job. Uh, but that was a lot of fun, uh, a fun moment there. But, but Zach Branch, man, just... He's such an impressive looking kid when you see him, like him, like making his cuts. It's like, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, holy cow. Like he can, if you remember like, Reg, I'm not comparing Reggie Bush, but like if you watched Reggie, like, and I talked to some of the strength coaches about what Reggie could do is the being able to put your foot down and there's no like recovery. Like you can put it here and push this way. And, and you, when you saw him make that sideline run against Fresno state, where you just like kind of go at full speed of the sideline and, and you're like, stop. And you're going back the other way to be able to go fast and change directions. Uh, he's just one of those guys that looks like he can do that like effort, effortlessly. Uh, but it's probably because the strength of his legs, man, he could jump, he can run. I mean, it, it was, it, we, we, he was really impressive to watch. I know you weren't trying to compare him to Reggie Bush, but Reggie Bush is the name that gets thrown out a lot with Zachariah Branch, especially on the peristyle. A lot of people throw out Reggie Bush in terms of, you know, his explosiveness, his playmaking ability. I mean, just go watch his highlights and you can see a little bit of Reggie in there, even though, you know, he plays wide receiver, not a running back, but he can do a lot of things. And I'm sure Lincoln Riley is drooling over the aspect of getting to 
toy with him and his offense and move him around, you know, do some of those little wide receiver bubble screens, take him, give him handoffs out of the backfield, reverses, all those kind of things. Because one aspect you didn't talk about, which, you know, him being physically a beast, even though he's, you know, small in stature, is that he is super fast. He runs a legitimate 10-2, 10-3 type speed. And if, 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 you know, he could be a track star. I mean, he ran track early in his career. Stop doing that to focus on football. But legitimate 10-2 speed, 10-3 range. So, yeah, USC is getting a lot more speed on offense with him coming in. They did a uh, – so they do these challenges um, during the week. They're during practice. They'll kind of stop practice in the middle and do a challenge. And one of them was like a 40-yard dash. They had some bigger guys run. I think he ran against Malachi Crawford. They Malachi just, Coleman. I'm, about, I'm sorry, Malachi Coleman. Nebraska signing. Yeah. Um, and beat him. But Coleman was coming on strong at the end. But it felt like Branch was kind of taken easy. But, you know, he was the fastest guy there. Track guys don't look – their legs usually don't look like that, like the sprinters and stuff sometimes. But, like, it was uh, – yeah, very impressive. But no Roderick running in the fastest man challenge because he would have smoked everyone because he's legitimate like Olympic aspiration type sprinter. Yeah, and I'm not sure why. Um, they just kind of picked a couple of dudes, and maybe uh, they knew it wouldn't be fair if Roderick uh, ran. I don't. Well, so they I, Branch asked Roderick about who would win, and, and Roderick was saying he's faster, but uh, Branch can jump higher. So I'm not sure. Sure, we had nobody. Uh, I don't think anyone in the chat said who. Um, I had uh, Talanoa Hufanga interview. It no was one Pen- guessed it? Penny Sewell. Do you remember him? But, you know, huge offensive line target. USC's missed on so many of those guys. Uh, didn't work. But Talanoa did, Talanoa did a great job um, interviewing him. So that was that was a lot of fun. A couple offensive linemen, too. I didn't get to watch as much of uh, Amos Telalele, um, but he was there. Uh, he thought he looked, he was going against some really top talent on that. I think it was team... I forget what he was on Team Makai. There's Team Makai and Team Malka. It's uh, land and sea. And um, he had, did a really nice job against some of the, the highly ranked players over uh, on that team. And then I got to see uh, uh, Makai. Um, was it blanking on his? Micah? Ma- yeah, I'm sorry. Mike. I, was, I saw it. Yeah. Micah was. Micah uh, Banuelos, future center of the program. I was really interested guard. to see how those guys. My, yeah, Banuelos did. Uh, I mean, he was really good. When I watched, they didn't do a ton. They didn't do any in, in pads, which kind of stunk. But um, they did a bunch, They did more one-on-ones on Team Malka, the team I was looking at, than where Jarrett was, Team Makai. And uh, Benuelos got to go against some of the top you know, defensive players. But every time I saw Benuelos, um, I'm sorry, about tele, Amos was able to go. Telele. Yeah, Telele. And then uh, Benuelos, the, when I was watching him, he won all of his one-on-one battles. Uh, he was he was mentioned, but you know when you talk to like Brandon Huffman or Blair Angula when they saw him, like yeah, he just looked really good, footwork, um, hand placement, all that kind of stuff. So, a couple of you know they're not like five-star offensive linemen, but guys that look like they can definitely be big-time contributors when they get to college. Yeah, I mean Micah is probably the second highest-rated offensive lineman they signed. Behind Elijah Page, who is a consensus four-star prospect. But Micah is a four-star in the 24-7 sports rankings. Not as big as the other guys. Maybe six foot two, just over 300 pounds. He can maybe be kind of a, just, a Justin Dietrich kind of guy who can come in as a center. And he played offensive tackle for his, his uh, offensive line in high school. But projects as a center. That's where uh, Josh Henson wants him. 
you know, Josh Henson, his specialty is center. So if he's tabbing you as the center, it's like, yeah, he, he sees that potential in you. So I'm going to assume he's going to start out as a center. Could he work at guard down the line? Sure, absolutely. We've seen it with Justin Dietrich. But I would think his primary focus is going to be preparing as the center of the future for this USC offense and, you know, going into that that Big Ten season. I think he could be the backup this year. I think he really could. I would have liked his chances a lot better if he was an early enrollee. But I think that is the hope is that he can be that backup, get some reps this season and some blowouts behind Justin, learn from Justin and possibly be ready to make that jump going into 2024 when when Justin uh, graduates. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought just physically of looking at Amos Talele. I saw him up close in person when we went up to Cal for that game. And talk about a guy who just stands out. Six foot five, 335 pounds, just an absolute monster of a man. Yeah, you uh, you look at him, put the picture up there. Now, I mean, it's not like an action shot or anything, but there's some people that are just like <laughs> physically look like they look like imposing individuals. And he's he's one of those guys. First and guy off the bus. Yeah, you would like to see him off the bus. Um, like I said, the competition he went up against, uh, he was more than holding his own and all that. So it looked like he could play too. Um, and when you're talking about, you, know, you got Josh Henson and you're trying to bring in, you know, you had like 14 offensive linemen or something on the roster. And they're just, a, there was just guys that weren't going to, you didn't see a path for them to be like, uh, you know, all Pac-12 kind of offensive linemen. Like you look at those two guys and you could see both of them being potential all Pac-12 uh, offensive lineman, um, you know, especially with the frame, you know, the, the kind of size that Telelele brings and just look at him, like, okay, if you could play at all, like, and, and it wasn't him. even, it, when I looked at it, it's not even like bad weight. It's just like, he's a big kid. Yeah. And it, it, it looks like he does need to lose a little weight. I think they want him around 320, three, he's three, uh, 35, 330 right now. Yeah. So just, you know, 10, 15 pounds, which is, you know, he could drop that easy, but and he, you just feel like he wouldn't lose anything, really. He, he, he's got massive, massive legs. His calves are like the size of kegs, and he's just <laughs> a, a beast out there. So I was really excited to see what he did in this kind of setting. I know it's not the most rigorous uh, All-American game in terms of practices, a little more no. laid back. But, you know, he's coming from a program in Santa Clara, Santa Clara excuse me, where – he is the biggest kid by far that he's ever going to face in co- in high school. <laughs> and when I went to see him, he's just absolutely bullying yeah. kids. It's hard when you league. watch games like that because there's just there's no there's no chance. Like there's, there's just like it's like a little brother like just pushing him down or whatever. You so know? I, I wanted to see what he would do in this kind of uh, higher competitive, higher skill guys, more talented guys, and, and as opposed to the the toddlers he would go up against. In that league. And you actually can see that video. It's up on our YouTube. I did some ISO highlights of him. Very fun to watch. Even though, you know, the competition not great. Very fun to watch. To watch this large uh, beast of a, of a man just terrorizing this uh, this football team as a offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. And even got a pump block in there. So very fun highlights to go watch. I highly recommend it. But, yeah, he's one of my favorite guys to see coming in just because of his potential is, is so high. Yeah. And I got, we'll have highlights of all those guys, but like Chris mentioned, it's not the most rigorous practices. Um, probably got the best stuff of Zachariah branch just cause there was a lot of catching and stuff involved, but some cool stuff from Roderick Pleasant, who we're going to talk about next. You know, he's the uh, four star corner uh, from uh, Gardena, Sarah high school and really good friends 
with Zach Branch and they hung out like all freaking weekend. And, you know, whenever there was a rep, you taking a rep off or something like they were together, whatever they could be, because they're both on team Malka. And uh, that's why I had them interview each other. I mean, Branch was definitely working on him the entire time, like just from body language alone. Uh, if you were going to guess like where he's going to go, probably think he ends up at USC, but he was really impressive. Uh, Deuce Robinson. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, Branch got an interception off a route intended for him. He got his hands on other balls. There was a bunch of balls that were like in seven on seven. You're not hitting anybody, but he would sort of wait for the guy to catch the ball. And he knocked the ball out of his hands, like multiple times. Um, just really like with a, you know, playing the ball seemed to be one of his skill sets, but he was really impressive looking, uh, to me. And, um, if, you know, I'm not following the recruitment as, as closely as you are, but just from watching him there, if I had to handicap it, I would give USC the advantage. Yeah, we talked about Roderick on our last episode of the Composite Two Star Recruits because he, he was coming off his official visit, you know, going into the Poly Bowl. He, he took a quick one day, one evening official visit to USC, his final of the process. He'll be committing on February 1st. His birthday, I believe Deuce Robinson is also committing on February the 1st. So it could be a big day for the Trojans. But, you know, good visit over all around. You know, it was interesting because Roderick had stated multiple times that he wasn't sure if he was going to take an official visit to USC just because he had been there so many times. A lot of kids like to use that last official visit if they're local to go somewhere out of state, somewhere where they don't have to you know, pay their own way to get out there to, you know, whatever, Arkansas or Missouri, whatever, just a school not in California. So why pay, have the school pay for you to come up there when you can just drive yourself up there yourself? So that was always that thing that's working against USC with local kids is will they take the time to actually spend an official visit? And Roger was talking like he wasn't going to do that, but then he did. So I think that's a really good sign. And uh, Hurricane is you know, feeling that USC is still the leader at this point, but Oregon is going to make a push. You best believe Oregon is going to make a push. It's going to come down to the wire, and, you know, if Oregon's going to try to come in there and make a late steal for it, I would probably lean on the side of him being a USC lean right now, but we know the Ducks will come in the next couple weeks. They will come going into that February 1st signing uh, announcement date, so you got to watch out for that. USC has to be diligent in recruiting him. You know, it's great to see that, you know, Zach, Makai, uh, Malachi were all doing their part to get him that feeling of what it would be like to be teammates with them, you know, hanging out at practice and stuff. So we'll have to see. But that one's going to come down to the wire, and it's going to be close. Yeah. Um, by the way, we got some. Uh... Uh, yeah, Ethan White. You, Chris was so worried. Because you know, so mad. Breaking news while so we're mad. recording. I'm not. You have to talk because I'm. I'm doing this right now. Do you want to give a real quick like who you know tell everyone about Ethan White? Who no, is? that's your job right now. <laughs> Just I'm, so mad. I'm so mad. So we're doing this live here. I'll. Uh, I think I'll. I'll, I'll Get me off the screen. I'll put, I'll put it on me. Okay. So, yeah. Poor Chris. Uh, so USC just. So I'll, actually, let me put this. I have a picture up on the screen. Uh, they tweeted it out. He tweeted out. It's official. Ethan White. Um, let me get it, pull it up here for you. Oh, where I think, uh, so mad. I told you this was going to happen. You did tell me. Was gonna, I thought I downloaded the picture. Where is that? Um, we're floundering. Yeah. Uh, so this is an offensive line, uh, commitment, uh, for the U S is the third one that USC's picked up from the transfer portal. 
uh, Ethan White. There's a picture with him and Henson. Let me see if I can save this picture and I'll put it up on the screen for you. Six foot four, 331 pounds, 20 starts in his career at Florida at left guard. This is the the replacement for All-American Andrew Voorhees. Simple as that. Big. This is a big time. You know, when you're talking about guys that we were talking about bringing in from uh, from high school ranks, USC has to start recruiting uh, the high school ranks, right? You have to um, be able to get back there and uh, and bring in some. You know, they, they just were neglecting that for a long time. They were bringing guys that were just like projects or uh, really aren't worth. You know, they weren't worth that much. You have to recruit those guys, but are they going to be ready uh, in year one? A guy like Ethan White will be. Let me here. I'm going to put him up on the screen for you. Sorry, Justin. So this is the picture they just tweeted out. Um, yeah, big Ethan White at the Coliseum. Chris knew this was going. <laughs> this was going to happen. Um, yeah. So so mad. It, Ryan. Well, so Chris has you had. Did you have like? Yeah, there's a story up right now. You can go read it. Is the story up? There? Okay, so yeah. the story is up right now. Um, all these things. You wanted a pot on Monday. You wanted. A I pot wanted the pot on Monday. We weren't really sure. Um, we had a question from SC Dad. How many years of eligibility? He is a second year junior, junior right? So I think two- I I would assume he has two years left. But I'm assuming this will be his final year. You know, has a great year. Go to the NFL. That that kind of thing. Yeah. So like a plug and play guy on the offensive line, uh, and they're not easy. Uh, it's not easy to do um, to bring in guys like that. So this is a third transfer. Coming in, obviously, it's a big deal, and that's why Chris is kind of scrambling and he's upset that he was uh, not on the the breaking of the breaking news. But just send out a text alert. So if you're a USCFootball.com subscriber, especially the text alert subscribers, you can get in there um, and do that. And USC does need four and five star uh, offensive line recruits, and I think the guys they have coming in in this class it's a big class. That's going to be you know the future. Like they, those aren't going to be the guys probably blocking for Caleb Williams. But they're going to be the uh, the future on the offensive line. And I feel like that's where you have to build that. And that's going to take a little while. They're a year or two development, things like that. Um, but you see a guy like uh, Amos Telele, like, like he looks like a dude. He, you know, maybe he loses 15, 20 pounds. And by year two, redshirt freshman, he's a starter or something, you know, or uh, Micah Buenuelos, like same sort of thing. You don't want them necessarily competing, you know, uh, for a spot in year one, but you want them on the two deep. You want them to be the backup guy and maybe they have to come in uh, later in the season, but you have one more year of Caleb Williams. You want to be able to bring uh, as, as much firepower around him as possible. And they've done that, you know, skill position guys, but they wanted some help on the offensive line. And when I asked Lincoln, we had that meeting with Lincoln Riley and I kind of asked him about any surprises, like, good or bad, like on this team. And I think one of the things he mentioned was he was really surprised about the offensive line and how good they really were um, with all that veteran leadership. And now you're losing a lot of that and getting Justin Dietrich back is big, but you need, you need some help. I mean, they didn't get a lot of help on the offensive line through the portal. They brought in Bobby Haskins uh, for a contributor. That's about it. You know, like, uh, you know, Cooper Lovelace, we'll see if he's able to, to help out, but, Going to the portal, getting three guys uh, this offseason, plus some highly ranked guys from high school. I think it's a, I think it's a good long term play, long term upgrade, you know, potential for, for USC. I have Chris on camera, you can kind of see him watching. He doesn't like that, um, but yes. 
So big stuff, you know, big, big, uh, big news out of the transfer portal. As you know, last week, the transfer portal closed. So there's no more entries in the transfer portal until May. But there are still players that are in the portal that USC and all the other schools are recruiting. So we can kind of talk about that. I'll move on and let me, um, I'll clear this out because uh, let Chris finish up his stuff. Uh, the other uncommitted prospect from the Polynesian Bowl that uh, he came one day late because he's playing basketball, Deuce Robinson, uh, five star tight end, but he mostly played wide receiver for the Poly Bowl practices uh, out of Arizona. And it looks like it's down to USC and um, and Georgia for this one. Uh, Blair Angulo is really close with his recruitment. I got to talk to him a couple of times. But really impressive-looking kid. I mean, he stands out. Some of those players, like we talked about, Amos Telelele, when he walks on, you can just kind of see him. Well, a guy like Deuce Robinson wearing, you know, number two, he walks onto the field. You're like, okay. Uh, he definitely looks uh, – he looks the part. And you see him – uh, I thought it was a little slower start maybe the first day when he came out there for practice, but then, you know, got into things. Uh, he really, uh, Nico, the the, the transfer, um, I mean, the transfer, the Long Beach prospect going to Tennessee um, was thrown to him on one, like three or four times in a row on this two-minute drill. Seemed like those guys were, were talking quite a bit. But yeah, the, to see uh, him out there catching balls, Gets a lot of attention. Uh, obviously, Georgia does a really good job with the tight ends. Um, but, you know, that I don't think USC's out of this one yet. We'll get kind of Chris's opinion on that. But he's the other, like, uncommitted co- uh, prospect that was there, the big-time uh, recruitment, you know, big-time recruit target uh, for USC. Uh, Pleasant, who we talked about, and then uh, Deuce Robinson. Chris, you want to come back on, or are you still? Uh, I'm still doing something. He's still doing his stuff, so. Um, yeah, Give me so, two minutes. Give me two minutes. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So interesting breaking news there. And we're going to talk about the, the kind of overall portal stuff. Like I mentioned, the portal is now closed for new entries. You can't go into the, you know, the, the window is closed. They're trying to, the NCAA is trying to compact those times when guys can just leave the program. So you're not going to be able to leave the program you're at until after spring football. But you still have uh, early February, still have the traditional signing day. There's still players committing just like, you know, Ethan White did um, today, you know, from the portal. So there's still transfers. There's still uncommitted prospects. And like Chris mentioned, uh, both Deuce Robinson and Roderick Pleasant are going to sign on February 1st or or declare on February 1st. So then it gives players an opportunity. Well, if like, say you're a linebacker and you're the school that you're recruiting, you picked up a bunch of late, late linebackers and now there's more competition. You go through spring ball. You don't like where your position is. Then you can enter the portal again in May. So there'll be another flurry of portal kind of activity uh, in the second period during May in May. But right now you can't go into the portal anymore. So if you're upset, at, you know, first week of spring football, you're gonna have to wait. You have to go through spring football. You don't have to. You could sit out, but uh, you won't be able to in- immediately enter the portal. You're gonna have to wait uh, to do that. But the players, like I mentioned, that are already in the portal, there's still a ton of unsigned players. Um, some because they just haven't decided yet. Some because they have been hard for them to find a home. Unfortunately, that's uh, one of the realities of this as well. Um, you'll kind of see that uh, going forward. But yeah, so the portal stuff for USC, um, very active in year one of Lincoln Riley. And I think he's done a really good job of kind of addressing some of the needs in year two. Uh, I know a lot of people in the comments are talking about defensive stuff. They've, they signed a bunch of guys, uh, you know, brought in guys from the portal on the defensive side as well. But 
Uh, they also on the offensive side, yeah, you got to replace guys like Jordan Addison and and Travis Dye and stuff. But skill players, you're going to be all right. I mean, they've you know bringing in Singer from Arizona. Um, you know, you've got a couple of five star high school kids coming in. Those can, guys can contribute right away. But I think Lincoln Riley, just from talking to him in that 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 morning session we had with him, he knew that they had a veteran offensive line and they were going to need. Uh, need some help there. So besides the defensive side, the front seven, especially trying to, to bring in guys. Now you're seeing uh, a real strong push to, to really bolster that offensive line and protect Caleb Williams a little bit. You don't want to see him get hurt uh, like he did uh, late in the season there. Chris, you, uh, yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a, out of a place where I can focus and okay. possibly talk to you now. Now that <laughs> when something happens, I go in tunnel vision, Different tunnel show. vision. We have to go back to that. Yeah. But I get locked in. I got a bunch of things to do when breaking news happens. I just got to go burrow into my little hole. Right. And I don't want to talk to anybody. So what's up, Brian? Uh, okay, so. <laughs> I blacked out for Ethan White, two minutes. Yes. Um, we put up the picture of him. Uh, you you mentioned briefly, plug and play guy. Any other thoughts on Ethan White? That, and then we'll go uh, get your thoughts on Deuce Robinson. Massive too. pickup and a massive human being at six foot four, 331 pounds. You probably heard me shouting over the, uh, the photos. But. Just a big, nasty kind of guy. And at 331 pounds, doesn't mean that he's, you know, an overweight kind of guy. He is a big man, and he carries it well. Pretty athletic, can move too. I assume they're going to do some pulling with him. But just from a terms of a program-building standpoint, a massive win. Because you mentioned in the portal last year, they really struggled to get sort of these guys. They went after multiple offensive linemen, and, you know, they couldn't pull them out. You know, they did get, you know... Cooper Lovelace out of the JUCO ranks, that felt like a a, a consolation prize. You know, they just needed some more depth at the interior. So they, you know, went and got a guy out of the JUCO ranks. And Bobby Haskins was their big signing. And I know they would have loved to get at least two more guys for next season's, for, for that 2022 offensive line. Ended up working out for the most part. You know, they did have some injuries down, down the stretch and kind of broke down there at the end, especially in that Pac-12 title game with, Edge Warhees not being available, but it all held together for the most part. And that wasn't going to be the case for this season because they were losing Brett Nealon, they were losing Edge Warhees to graduation, and Bobby Haskins out of eligibility. So you were looking at it like, we need guys. We need multiple starting level caliber guys. They only got one last year. They're up to three right now, and they've hit a home run with each of these guys. You know, Jared Kingston, all Pac-12 guy, can play guard or tackle. I project him to be the left tackle for next season. Six foot five, 305 pounds. Plug him in there. Don't even worry about it. You got Justin Dietrich back. That's huge. He's your team captain from last year. He's going from guard to center. Take over for Brett Nealon. You know, he performed really, really well in the Cotton Bowl. I believe he made PFF's all bowl team. So he's already off to a really great start in manning that spot. Set it, forget it. Michael Tarquin, he brings up an interesting dynamic with Jonah Monheim because, you know, Jonah Monheim highly regarded playing right tackle this season. You know, Pro Football Focus was very high, ranked him very highly and, you know, rated him among the top 10 offensive tackles from this past season. So that gives you a good problem to have because Michael Tarquin has right tackle experience. But Jonah Monheim, some people think he projects better as an interior guy. And so, Right now, I'm just projecting it for Monheim is going to slide in at right guard, solidify that spot, let Tarquin, where all of his experiences at right tackle, let him take over right tackle. And then Ethan White, 
kind of the final piece that you were looking for. I think you could still maybe bring in another offensive tackle for depth, but you needed another interior guy, and Ethan White fills that giant hole left by Andrew Voorhees. Six foot four, 330 pounds, just put him in there, protect Caleb Williams' blind side. And a guy, again, like I said, 20 career starts at left guard, all 13 games last season. I believe he has 31 game appearances in general. A rising senior uh, had that took that extra COVID year, so kind of a second year junior right now, whatever you want to call. I don't really know how that works, but he is going to be your left guard. You know, assuming everyone is across the board healthy, that's fine. You've you've remade your starting line right there. You're you're good. Obviously, you have a little bit more uh, cushion to play with now. You know, Cortland Ford, regard. Uh, you know, he might maybe look into the portal after spring. You don't know what's going to happen there, but right now he is on the team. He has left tackle experience. That is another experienced tackle body. You have Mason Murphy, who stepped up last season, has right tackle, has left tackle left tackle experience. Some people think he could move inside. Either way, you have a lot of flexibility there. Plus, the five-man incoming class you have right now, Elijah Page, your highest-rated offensive uh, line signee out of high school, he's on campus right now. He's an early enrollee. He could be a guy who can absolutely step up and maybe play in that too deep if he gets comfortable quick enough. So you have a lot more flexibility. You have a lot more depth. You have a lot more talent, even though you have a lot more young guys. I think these are all guys Henson recruited. So, you know, these are his guys, got the, got his guys in, and now he's going to be able to look at it like, okay, we have more depth. We have more flexibility. We have more experience across the board. Gito Quinones started games last year. He's got flexibility at guard and at center. So overall, you are deeper than you were last year, and – You know, I think there's a case that this line could be better than last year. I know that's a lot to say right now when you're losing an All-American guard, you're losing an All-American caliber center, but just across the board, just completely reshape this this offensive line. And Caleb Williams, I'm sure, is very, very happy. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you had this, if you looked at the house, you know, if we're doing the house analogy, like, it looked like a beautiful house, but, you know, if you went inside, it wasn't really, like, there was a lot of problems with it and stuff, but on the outside, it had a lot of curb appeal. And it was, they had that starting five, you know, like the five guys that they liked and maybe a couple other dudes. And they did pretty well most of the season, you know, when they were together, this is more of like now, like you, the, the foundation stronger, like you've built a lot of internal stuff, like the wiring's all better. Uh, the plumbing's been upgraded. This is a better, you know, even though the curb appeal might not be exactly the same, you don't have all the veterans and, and you're not sure with some of the guys transferring in, how they're all going to work together. Um, but it's, I think it's a stronger house. The foundation is going to be a lot stronger for the offensive line. I think that's, uh, I think that's important. Um, and also mentioned, uh, you know, I talked about Deuce Robinson uh, a little bit. We had a question on uh, YouTube from USC football for life. Do you think Deuce is really tight end material? Looks like he can play wide out. No problem with his thin frame. Why not recruit him for wide receiver? Um, any thoughts on the Deuce Robinson, um, you know, we, we saw him out there, like I said, I mentioned, you know, he just was an impressive looking guy, played wide receiver out there, wasn't really doing tight end stuff, caught a bunch of balls, looked good to me. Uh, any quick thoughts on Robinson? Yeah, Robinson's a little more, um, what's the word, more kind of new age tight endy. It's, that's not even a word, but you know what I mean? Is He's not a traditional like inline tight end going there doing blocks and stuff, but he's a guy you can utilize to your advantages to have mismatches and putting him in a tight end space. You know, he's too athletic for most linebackers to cover. You know, he's big enough to bully most defensive backs. 
you know, you want if you want to throw out kind of Drake London esque, because a lot of people thought you know Drake London would should be a tight end at the next level. And I haven't talked to Deuce enough to know you know how you know the intricacies of what Lincoln Riley and that offense want to do with him. But I'm just assuming they're going to use him more so, not like a traditional uh, tight end. You know, they're not going to be having to block, but they'll, they'll have him flexed out wide. They maybe do some H back stuff because he's athletic enough to do all of those things. I saw some clips from the Poly Bowl where he was, you know, running around like a beast out there. So he is the high end of your new age tight ends that are more wide receiver than than asked to block and do some stuff. And I'm sure he'll still be asked to do some of those things. But let's be real. If he's coming to USC or any school, his primary focus is to catch touchdowns, <laughs> pick up first downs, bully defensive backs down the field. That's his primary thing. So I don't know if you have to really worry about where he is in terms of where is he lining up. As long as he's making plays and scoring points, I don't think you really want to like debate the uh, the what's the word the uh, help me. Help I don't me. know what word you're looking for. The like the nuance of the nuance he, of where he, he's he's playing. If yeah, he's a tight like, end, he's a wide receiver. What you write down next to his name? Like, yeah, it's just another weapon. He's and, a six six guy that goes and catches passes. Yeah, and remember the tight end unit last year was very inconsistent. You know, they they maybe there were some games randomly they would score a play or make a big first down, but you know you yeah. put him in that room and it's got suddenly ele- suddenly you're elevating everything. So. He is a different type of guy. He is a there's a reason why he's a five star. There's a reason why he's the number one tight end in the country, and that's a guy you desperately need in that room. You know, we can talk about being flexed out, uh, all that. If he's, if he's an X or he's a Y or whatever, but regardless of it, he's a tight end, and he'll be coached up by Zach Hansen and in that room. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. All right. Well, we got a we got a bunch of other stuff we want to get to. Let's take a quick break, and we will come back. If you're watching on YouTube Live, that won't be very long. Uh, back in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Uh, yeah, so we got all, all that stuff, like kind of the polyball stuff. We had some breaking news, obviously. That's a big. Uh, that was this a big. It's been deal. a wild show. It's been a, it's been a crazy <laughs> one. Uh, I love that. A few other topics I want to talk about. Um, USC schedule uh, came out, and uh, I know you guys talked about it with uh, you and uh, and Shotgun. Kind of went through it, pick games. We're not gonna we don't do all that kind of stuff, but just in general, kind of go over it. It's a backloaded schedule uh, in general. USC does have a week zero game against San Jose State. Um, and you guys talked about this a little bit. USC, as far as Pac-12 teams go, USC has the longest streak without a bye week. And I got clarification from people over at USC. It wasn't the Pac-12 trying to screw USC. The, the USC people told me, the Pac-12 was very accommodating. They were trying to work with the Trojans. 
The problem is that stupid Notre Dame game, it's not that it's stupid, but just the Pac-12 had never a good way to deal with it. Stanford and USC play their home game against Notre Dame at the end of the season, but their road game against Notre Dame uh, in October. USC does that on odd years. That leaves a late game, you know, the, the rivalry week game. USC doesn't have a spot for that. BYU was the original filler of that spot, but they joined the Big 12, so they dropped out of that game. USC originally was going to go just 12 straight weeks, and what they were able to do is uh, move, you know, the the week three, try to get this game at week three um, with San Jose State, and, you know, kind of put that there. Now they've moved it up to week zero, and it became, uh, now you have two buys. You have a week three buy, and then a week 13 buy. So San Jose State kind of came into the week three to fill the void that BYU left, and they got a waiver to move it to week zero. That means USC plays San Jose State, August 26th, Nevada on September 2nd, and then Stanford on September 9th. You get a bye in that week after the Stanford game. Then you go nine straight weeks. Uh, and then the final week of the season, which is you know the Thanksgiving week, USC has a bye then. So it's like the the you know a bye in the last week of the season doesn't mean much. But in USC's case, if you're trying to make the Pac-12 championship game, it gives you a bye before the Pac-12 championship game where the team you're playing could be playing a short rest because they're going from a Saturday game to a Friday championship and USC has a whole week off before that. So it could be tough to make the championship. Just the, the We'll go over the stretch at the end. But I think that's just a, a nice aspect of this that USC does get a bye week before what could be a Pac-12 championship game. They made it this year, didn't didn't uh, end up winning. If they make it in 2023, uh, they would have a bye week going in before there, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about this with Shotgun in, in length, but just a really tough schedule all around, much tougher than last year. Yes. Going to Notre Dame, going to Autzen, you have the, it's almost a flip of what you did in 2022 in that, you know, in that back half of that season, you had some quote unquote, I guess, cupcake games, uh, Ryan, you know, you had Colorado, you had Cal, even though Cal, you know, hell was a shootout for, for a little bit. Uh, Arizona State, you had some weaker teams in that back half. Cal was a bad team. Arizona State's a weak team. I mean, they're just bad. And yeah. you, you had some bad teams in that stretch where you could kind of like get your bearings a little bit after that Utah game and then prepare yourself for that gauntlet of UCLA and Notre Dame and then Pac-12 championship game and then possibly college football playoffs. So you had that 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 time you could kind of not relax, but, you know, it wasn't a murderer's row. This is a murderer's row. This is a much tougher run yes. in the back half. Cal being the the weakest team you're going to play, and yeah. and that's on the road too. So no, no offense to Cal, but they are not like the rest of that back half schedule. But no. it's tougher. It's a lot tougher. And nine straight just to get to the Pac-12 championship game with that bye week will be greatly appreciated. But you got to get there first. Otherwise, it's just a, a sad bye week, right? It is, Otherwise, yeah. just a sad bye week. But I think my initial predictions was 10 and 2, just yeah. first off the rip looking at it. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Maybe if you go game by game or just give me your your top projection. Yeah, the top. real quick. San Jose State, Nevada, like you're going to win those games. Um, Stanford is still terrible. They got Troy Taylor now. So you should be 3-0 and going into the bye week. Two road games against, you know, teams that have hit the portal hard um, in a good way. Now, Arizona State lost a bunch. But they, both teams have lost 
bunch of players. Arizona State and Colorado, new coaches. Everyone's excited about Kenny Dillingham. Obviously, Coach Prime. Everyone's excited about that. But these are going to be overmatched teams that are on the on the come. Like they're they're going to be good soon. Not this year. Sort of like Arizona was this past year. Goes five and seven. But you knew they were going to get better under Jed Fish, the transfers, and everything like that. So there should be two. You should be five and zero oh, coming home to play Arizona again, a team that's you know doing better. USC took three of their better players away. I don't see that being a problem. And then you know if you're six and zero oh to start the season, it's great. That's what you want to do. Uh, on the road at Notre Dame, you know they they upgrade the quarterback spot, um, and so we'll you know with the big transfer there, that's always going to be tough. Uh, what Drew Pine threw for 400 yards against USC or something, or what did he know? What he did, he had a good it was game. 900. Nine, yeah, it was 900. Yards. 900 yards. Um, you know, Utah at home. Obviously, Utah, Utah's had USC's number. You got to take care of business there uh, when you play them at home. You get a little break going at Cal, who I think is still going to be uh, pretty garbage. They're worse than I thought they were going to. Like 2022, I thought they'd be mediocre. They were pretty bad, um, even though uh, they threw what they. Calther for 400 yards, I think, at USC or something. Um, who was the quarterback transfer? He transferred out again. Uh, the guy from Purdue. They The transfer for New I'm blank on his name. Jack Sullivan? No, oh, that's the... Jack the Plummer. Line. Jack, Jack Plummer. Plummer. Yeah, he came in. Look, I knew it was Jack. You said Purdue. I, I immediately went to new USC signee Jack Sullivan. Sullivan yeah. But, but he I was close. Like, he looked like a Heisman candidate against USC secondary. Uh, so, yeah. So, Cal's going to be a mess. Um, I just, you know, I don't think you're going to... Lose that one. Obviously, at Notre Dame and Utah are, are losable games. Getting Washington at home, uh, the way that offense is clicking, and you know, we'll see. Michael Penix hasn't stayed healthy. This is going to be late season. Their their schedule is going to be a lot tougher than it was this past year. So we'll kind of see with that. Going to Autzen for Oregon, uh, obviously going to be a tough one. Um, but you know, they get Bo Nix back, but you get a new offensive coordinator. How are they going to look? Um, you know, we'll see there. UCLA. You know, losing your eight-year starter and uh, DTR. Uh, they do got Kyle Ford, though, so that's going to give them a huge advantage. Um, so it, I think they're all, you know, USC can win all of these games, obviously. Um, I feel like they're going to do like an 11-1 thing again, just having Caleb Williams back uh, and do that. You know, you could see you losing that Oregon. Maybe you lose one of the other ones, like like a Washington or something with shootout capabilities. But all you got to do, I mean, if you lose a game, that's fine. You go 11-1. Who cares? You lose that Oregon. You're gonna get a chance to play whoever you want again on the you know with rest in the Pac-12 championship game. So uh, it's a tougher schedule. You got some really good home games: uh, Washington, UCLA, Utah. Uh, some great road trips: Notre Dame, uh, Oregon. So yeah, I think uh, I think you start off fast, and then it's just like surviving the end of the season because it's going to be a long stretch, and it's your toughest games. Oregon's kind of like got a tough schedule, but they have like breaks in between, like you're playing Cal between like, I don't know. I haven't looked specifically, but you'll have like a Cal between like a, a Washington and a, an Oregon state kind of thing where USC is going like, you know, at Notre Dame, Utah, back to back. And then the Washington at Oregon, UCLA, back to back to back. So that's going to be the tougher part is just big game, big game, big game. But you remember the end of the season, like USC had UCLA, Notre Dame back to back and did really well. Um, and, you know, two close games, but they won them both. Um, so they're going to have to do that at the end of the season. And if you lose one late and you hadn't lost at all and you go 11-1, and one, you should be in the championship game again. And then you have a bye week. You can rest up and have a really good shot of going to Vegas and getting the win. I had Notre Dame and Oregon as losses. And Could happen. Shotgun 
didn't like that? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they lose both, but they, I mean, both obviously they're losable games. Um, For me, I mean, it all comes down to the defense. Like, I yeah. don't know if the defense is as terrible as it was this past year. You're not going to go eleven and one. I'm 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 banking on the defense getting better. Sure, and we can all bank on that. But I don't know if you can bank on it, but that's what I'm. That's what I. My prediction is based on the defense getting better. My prediction was based off. I can't trust it yet until I see it, and I won't see, and you won't really know anything until that Notre Dame game. Yeah. Because that first half of the season, you're not really going to get tested, or you shouldn't be tested in terms of a high-powered offense. And Notre Dame will be on the road, and they got Sam Hartman, the number one quarterback transfer out of Wake Forest. So their offense is going to be a lot better than it was last season, even though Drew Pine, you know, made some plays against them. But Sam Hartman is a first-round NFL kind of guy. He's legit. So that offense is going to be good. That defense will be good. So are they going to run the slow mesh? I'm not even sure. Like it's kind of weird. Like you you recruit a quarterback from like a really funky, and I think it could be funky, offense. but I also think they could be very dangerous. And you know what was the thing we were making fun of them early in the season? We were at Stanford. You know, Stanford they was can't using the slow score. mesh early, and they couldn't slow it. They couldn't stop it. They stopped it in the second. Well, half. I meant when we were watching the Notre Dame lose to Marshall. Oh, it's like yeah. they can't score. Like what are they going to do? They can't score the ball. Yeah, and they had that. You know, they got a little better, but this year they're going to be able to score. So it's going to be really interesting. And then going to Otson, I think it's just going to be a hellish environment. It's going to be uh, oh yeah, angry and vitriol and nasty. It's going to be like Oregon State, but with a full stadium. Right. So it's going to be real tough. So, yeah, they can win all those games. They could absolutely go 12-0. But until I see more from the defense – I just have to chalk those up to losses right now. And I know people are probably mad. I think we did a poll on uh, usfootball.com. I think I believe it was 11 wins was the highest uh, pick, 10 wins was second, and then 12 wins was uh, uh, third. Yeah. Uh, but, you, you know, if you look at – the offense was elite. And the way they've – just even with Ethan White today, I feel confident the offensive line – will be will be good and deeper. And if they get injuries late in the season, it won't derail things like it would that did this year a little bit. The skill position guys still really good, you know, and you're bringing in a couple of five stars. You're bringing I mean you're bringing in help on the offensive side of the ball. You're bringing in depth. I think I feel, you know, and you got Caleb Williams, which that's, you know, proven commodity. Like they're going to be freaking good on offense. They're trying to upgrade stuff on the defensive side of the ball. They're keeping Alex Grinch. I know that wasn't very popular. But the defense has got to be better. And but I feel like the same thing. They're kind of building out some of the foundation out on that defense too, adding some more depth. You're recruiting a bunch of guys that can help out. Maybe not year one, but there's guys behind other guys. You know, maybe Rajon Davis now is going to be a big part of it. So if the defense is just somewhat competent, which they were not competent in 2022, um, yeah, I think you can win all those games because your offense can put so much pressure on the opposition. Uh, by scoring all the time. It's just those games they lost where they had two score leads and they couldn't push it to three, you know, and then they couldn't ever get a stop. It's like, just get a stop every once in a while. I mean, they beat you to like, you got to stop, you know, <laughs> they need more playmakers. Yeah. And specifically on the interior defensive line, I still think they need two experienced interior guys to help with uh run defense. And then just someone who can make a play from the inside, from the middle of the defense. You know, their pass rush on the outside 
too inconsistent, need more of that. You know, you won't have Thule, but, you know, you hope Anthony Lucas is a guy. You hope Jack Sullivan, who had a really good pass rush rate last season via PFF, you know, he's good. You're hoping your linebackers are going to be a lot better. Mason Cobb, Tackett Curtis down the line. Eric Gentry has seen growth in year, year three. You're hoping all that comes together and just get more big guys inside in the middle. Stop that run from getting gashed in the middle. You know, help those linebackers make some tackles. And just somebody who can get to the quarterback. Like that Tulane game, that final, those final drives, you know, that final drive, if they had just gotten one sack, you know, it felt like it would have been another sack. I believe they had one sack, but if they get another one, that would have ended it all. You know, on fourth yeah. down when they just need someone who can two fourth down conversions. Yeah, that's just right. someone who can get to the ball in big moments. They need they need more of that. Yeah. And just to clarify, um, because I, you know, there was some confusion on the schedule. I know people were asking me kind of questions. Originally, when USC had BYU scheduled, that was for the November 25th game after UCLA. So it was still, because it's an odd year and you play Notre Dame on the road, it's still kind of sucky. It would have been 10 straight games because you've had San Jose State, Nevada. I'm, I'm sorry. You'd had Nevada, Stanford, a bye week, then 10 games ending with BYU. Um, so it wasn't going to be 12 straight. When BYU dropped out, now it's like, okay, well, you have to find someone. San Jose State can't play. You can't get a lot of people to play November 25th because it's like a rivalry week and all that. You're not going to play uh, an FCS school. So you're going to get San Jose State, but you're going to have to put it in week three. Now you're going to have 12 games in a row. So there would be no bye. It would be similar to what happened in 2017 when USC went through the whole schedule and had a bye before the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I think they had to do that in 2019, but didn't make the championship game. But that was going to be, you know, they had BYU, so it was going to be 10 straight. Then you had to go back to 12 straight and no buy until the championship game. Then they got creative and moved uh, moved the game to week zero. So now you have a, a week three buy, and then also you have the one before the championship game. So this was sort of like the getting nine in a row was sort of the best they could come up with uh, with that late cancellation by BYU. Just to clarify, if people weren't, if there were people that were confused, because I was confused too. And uh, so I talked to some people at USC and that was going on. Uh, real quick, Cal Ford, buddy, my buddy. Yeah, I'll let you do what, 20 minutes. You need 20 minutes on this? No, 20 minutes. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> you going to yeah, cry? Going to UCLA. So uh, really, I mean, I'm happy for him. You want to see players uh, succeed. And, uh, you know, he had some opportunities. But like a lot of the USC receivers this year, Chris, like they had opportunities, but not tons like one game they would have you know maybe it was it seemed to be like two or three plays in a row you would target this guy who hadn't been targeted all game and maybe not even the previous game and then he makes some plays uh ucla was the biggest one i put one of that the touchdown catch there um he had some you know huge moments in that game he's a big i think a big reason why you know part of the reason they won that game um but yeah gonna go on and transfer to ucla linda white had some not so nice things to say about it i know when people transfer to a rival but uh, for me, it's like the mo the mobility is something that's important because coaches can move all the time. Uh, we've seen a lot of USC coaches go from USC to UCLA. Uh, if you feel like it's your best opportunity, you want to stay in Los Angeles. You have an you have another alter you know being in LA. If you're a UCLA and you want to stay here, you want to leave that school, or USC you want to leave and stay in LA. There's another school you can go to, uh, and he's doing that. But I think he'll get more opportunities. He could see himself being like a Jake Bobo where. At USC, what are you, fifth, sixth or something on the on the overall list? Um, 
So, yeah, I know it's a bummer. It, a lot of USC fans don't like that he's going to, to UCLA. Uh, but he was my dude, and I just, you know, happy. I hope he has a, a you know, a big year and uh, gets to go to the NFL. And he's had a lot of injuries, fought through a lot of stuff. But, yeah, was it, what have you noticed about the, the move to UCLA? I think the first thing I notice is the fan reaction, obviously. Yeah. And it's been two sides. It's been bummed that Kyle Ford didn't make it out in USC, didn't, you know, get more opportunity or have, you know, better stats or whatever, but he made some big plays, especially this last season. You know, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. Wish he got more time. Wish him the best. And then the other side, it's F Kyle Ford. <laughs> How could you do that? How could you be a Bruin? You're no longer a Trojan. You're not a former Trojan. You're a traitor. And how could you do this to us? And yeah, we were okay with you going to the portal, seeking greener pastures, looking for an opportunity. Just but not to, to the no. Bruins, how dare you? You disgust me. That's the two sides of the coin I've been seeing with uh, Kyle Ford. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I wish him well. Enough. Maybe, uh, you know, other people don't. But, uh, you know, I for me... The portal is there to give people opportunity. It's it can be bad, you know. People go into the portal and they never seen heard from again. But you know, it, a lot of times we've seen players just find a new environment and and excel. And uh, he would have got opportunities uh, in twenty twenty three, I believe, but probably not the consistent. I'm the number one or number two guy kind of thing. And that's you probably know, would have been similar to this year. It probably would have been. And uh, yeah, UCLA, you know, they're a running team, but you know, we saw what Mike Bobo did when he came in. He could be the Mike Bobo uh, for the Bruins. Now, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, um, but, you know. You see, anyway. you see Zach Branch coming in. You see Mikhail Lemon coming in. You see Dorian Singer coming in. You saw Brendan Rice have a monster game right. in the Cotton Bowl, and you're like, okay, well, Brendan Rice seems to be picking up now. It's like, where are my opportunities going to come from? It's going to be kind of similar to last year. So he could start, absolutely, at UCLA. So if he's if he's going to get the opportunity to start, by all means, you know, that that's his choice, and I wish him the best, and I'm not going to be like, I mean, I'm not a USC fan, as you were. I'm a USC reporter, but I'm not going to be like, how could you? You're a traitor. No. Right. That's where the opportunity is, you know? That's where the opportunity is. For Robert him. said he could have gone to any team besides UCLA and Notre Dame. He's a jerk. I don't know if he's a jerk just because he went to school. <laughs> yeah, I don't know don't if he's like. a jerk. Uh, because you went to a school I don't like, you're a jerk. How many? That's going to be. Graham so, wants to know if they – I hope they keep playing on that AT&T commercial. So that would be kind of funny, like, if they play that commercial next year and it's like the, the Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. That, like, that'll be fun. Uh, someone should make that sign in the student section. Like, that's that's going to be an interesting storyline. It's going to be weird to see him in a UCLA uh, uniform when they come to the Coliseum. That will Come be, to the Coliseum. So it's going to be, be, it's gonna be interesting. Definitely uh, going to be interesting. For sure. Um, just quickly, you know, we talked about a lot of recruiting already. Um there's been some official visits still going on, right, Chris? That USC offered like a, a 2026 quarterback. Like, there's been some weird stuff going on. Yeah, recruiting. they've had some. They've had some small, intimate junior days uh, the last two weekends. You know, m- most notably, you know, they had you know Jason Mitchell, four-star 2024 guy up. Brandon Baker, 2024 borderline five-star offensive lineman out of modern day, probably one of their priority guys in next year's class. Uh, they had the. Uh, Bosco linebackers, Jordan Lockhart, Kingston via Ama Asa up on campus. So hosting some big name guys in 2024, had a lot of 2026 guys, 2025 guys. And yes, they did put out an offer to a 2026 quarterback. 
Jordan Lewis, I believe his name is. Excuse me. Forgive me if I got it wrong. Been a lot of names, a lot of offers the last couple of days. We'll talk about it more on Composite Two Star Recruit, but uh, Lincoln Riley has identified a 2026 quarterback, which makes me feel very old, but he has a chance to be the number one prospect in that class. He is a dynamic plays the player, plays at the highest level of Georgia, I believe, and dominated as a true freshman. So he has a chance to be a special one. Lincoln Riley sees it, and he's like, yep, let's go. He's going to be my guy for 2026 that I'm going to offer first. So he... Lincoln probably won't offer another 2026 quarterback. Probably um, not. He only maybe does at most maybe three, and that's if he's like not hitting on the quarterback that he wants. I believe there's only three in 2024: Dylan Raiola, DJ Lagway, and a kid from modern day whose name escapes me. Brown. Okay. Um, so those are the only three he's made in 2024, and we'll see where that goes. But yeah. 2026 QB already on the board. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. That's the offer there. Uh, but we'll, and I know people are asking about scholarship numbers. I am behind on this. I will get the uh, scholarship distribution chart going again because the numbers are looking a little, you know, there's probably going to be some more guys that need to leave the program, especially as more players get added. But this is all just an overall, you know, last year was sort of like a roster maybe a little bit of a demo that you had to kind of go early. And this is a little more surgical this year. Um, there's a cleansing going on, swapping out some, you know, not as good depth for better depth, swapping out starters, contrib- you know, adding new contributors, adding difference makers. Um, they needed to do a lot of work on the roster last year, like full-on plastic surgery. And this is more kind of micro-surgery. Like they're doing the more upgrading. Stuff. They're doing a lot more upgrades and stuff, too. Going back to the house, you know, you had a working faucet, but now you can get that new touch faucet. You know, you just touch it. Yeah, you just touch it. See, now we're getting the upgrades. Now we're at that point where we – it was livable. Now we're we're making it a home. Yeah. Elijah Brown is who you're talking about. Yes. Uh, Thanks to Mark. Thank you, Mark. uh, For putting that in there. Um, Yeah. All right. And so I'll get the updated stuff with the portal and everything sort of – uh going on and all that and uh we'll 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 get those up but yeah the the numbers we'll see how all of that's going to pan out but i i feel like when we talked to lincoln riley he was talking about like pushing they were kind of pushing their limits a little bit makes sense and uh but there might be some more guys entering the portal uh sort of out of necessity kind of going forward but that won't happen like i said until may when the portal after spring. Yeah, when it opens again. Uh, we got a bunch of questions to get to. Let's, uh, we'll, we got, we've been going on a long time. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back uh, and answer all of your questions back in a minute. Oops. <laughs> Breaking news. What long happened one. now? All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We're live on our YouTube channel. If you are watching on YouTube, please smash that like button. We really appreciate that. And share it with some friends. Tell them about the, uh, the Peristyle Podcast. When we go through the offseason, we'll try to get a consistent time going. We've been doing Tuesdays. Maybe we'll keep doing that, Chris. Whatever is going to work for you. But we want to do the live shows. We want to do these on video so you can kind of see us. And if you want... Um, uh, you know, to, to get what's going on here, you can, um, you know, watch us live or you can watch the replay or you can, uh, uh, listen to us on any of the podcasting platforms. It looks like we might have some other 
was there some news? Someone posted like a uh, breaking news. Somebody like was leaving the program or whatever. But what? Uh, I don't know. The, are they? Are you guys messing with us? You're just trying to screw with us, like while we're. Uh, what are you talking about? I don't know. Is in the chat? Yeah, it was in the chat. It says more breaking news about a USC offensive lineman leaving the program. Maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. Uh, I didn't see that on Twitter. We're we're doing the show, so we'll, sounds like they're trolling you. That might be a little trolling. Uh, trolling me, the kind of stuff. Let's go to some questions. We have a voicemail to start uh, off. This is about a transfer, uh, uh, a potential Oregon transfer going the defensive line. I think uh, Keanu Williams. Um, let me play it for you. Uh, yeah, I was wondering. I noticed on the athletic that uh, they mentioned that we may need to add additional defensive linemen and or a linebacker. I noticed that a Keanu Williams, who went to high school at in California, uh, entered the portal the other day. He's a, he was a solid four-star. He's coming out of Oregon. Um, is this a candidate? Defensive line, 6'5", 290. And I think he came out of Clovis. But in any event, if you could comment on that, I'd sure appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I was close to this recruitment, Keanu Williams. I remember this kid, uh, that was 2019 class. USC offered him kind of late in the process, but just personally, I, I've gotten a lot of Keanu Williams questions about just because you're looking at him six foot five, two ninety, uh, former four-star prospect, SoCal kid. I get it. I would personally not dip into that. I would not dip in that. I think you need experience. So if you go look up Keanu Williams, like experience at Oregon, didn't play a lot. I don't, right now you need experienced defensive linemen. And I think you would rather hit on those guys and go after those guys and not a guy who, I, I don't remember the top of his head, but I feel like he's only got a handful of games. I don't think he has any starts, maybe like five tackles, something like that, I, I believe off the top of my head. But yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't pursue that track. I would I would go for I would wait for, you know, more experienced guys to come in. Even the big guy from out of Indiana, you know, he's like 6 foot 2, 320 or something. He's the uh, Samoan kid from American Samoa. I would go after that guy, you know, even if he's not going to, you know, be a game changer, but he's a guy who could eat up blocks in the middle, stuff like that. He's a big body kind of gives you some more flexibility if you want to go big in the middle and he's got experience too but you know obviously he's a he, he's a nose he's an eating a sorry he is a nose guard that's taking a block he's not racking up tackles and sacks and stuff like that he's just a space eater yeah i would kind of get one of those guys and he's experienced played in the big 10 you know played in a very rugged trench play conference so i would go after one of the guys i would personally not go for counter williams i would be going for more guys with more experience and production at the college level. I don't really want to chase stars out of high school that are now in the portal. That's something that Gerard has talked about uh, adamantly on the composite two stars. Like, go Just for the production. Bit, yeah. Go for the production. Anthony Lucas is a different because he is a former five-star and he doesn't have a ton of production. But you know what that guy can do. Or you've seen glimpses of it. You know, he dominated Texas A&M spring game. And it was a weird circumstance for that season. Obviously, he got suspended, so he didn't get to play more. But if he hadn't 
probably would have been playing a lot more. And remember, Texas A&M's defensive line, ridiculously stacked. So hard to really break into that. But here at USC, yeah, that's a that's a case where you're looking at it like, look at the talent, look what he did out of high school. But he's still so young compared to where he was in high school. So that's a case where you're looking at it like, this guy was a five-star last year. He was a true freshman. We get it. Take him. Grab him. Let's get that talent in, in our room. But yeah. Yeah, Keanu Williams had multiple years in college, didn't produce much. Stay away from the non-productive guys just because they're a four-star in high school. Yeah. We do have some uh, – I guess got breaking news. Oh, so thanks. God. I didn't see this on Twitter. I mean, it's just someone – so Jason Rodriguez is mm. uh, hanging up his cleats. Um, oh. So it's not even trans- – so it says he put on Instagram, uh, my time at USC or on Twitter – has been nothing short of great and rewarding. No one has had more fun and, and memorable times than I have had. It dampens my heart to say the time has come for me to proudly hang up my helmet and leave the great game of football. Serving USC has been an incredible, incredibly fun and exciting experience. I'm beyond proud to call the University of Southern California my home and cannot wait to see what my future, uh, uh, to see what future we plan to mold. Okay. Um, so it's just a privilege playing and all that. But, uh, you know, thanks, USC. Thanks to fans everything. So this isn't a transfer portal thing. This is uh, just um, retiring retiring from football kind of thing. Sounds like. It looks like to me. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, thanks. Who I forget who was pointing that out. LBC Trojan. Um, yeah. He wasn't putting – he was just putting – he put reserve offensive linemen on Twitter five minutes ago. It doesn't say, like, the name. Just, like, tell us who it was. Um, so I had to kind of go look for it, but yeah, Jason Rodriguez, uh, great kid. We talked to his dad, great family. Um, could talk to him all the time, but just really, you know, wasn't really doing much. And, uh, so that's sort of those things where you're adding a guy like Ethan white and a guy like Jason Rodriguez, uh, is, you know, retiring from football. So uh, we wish him the best. I hope he has a great, you know, whatever he plans on doing. After football, um, it's been a pleasure. Like, you know, follow his dad on Twitter is a lot of fun. Does, does a great job on the grill. Uh, great kid. Love talking to him and stuff. Uh, but it looks like uh, he is going to step away from football now. Any thoughts, yeah. Chris? Uh, you know, a former four-star prospect, the last before before USC got Elijah Page, he was the last former consensus four-star prospect that USC assigned. That was in the 2019 class. Under Armour All-American. I remember being at the Under Under Armour All-American camp in Mission Viejo with Gerard and seeing him for the first time. Really big kid, super athletic, nasty, you know, just struggled to make that translate to the college level, which, you know, which happens. I always remember about Jason, you know, super, super friendly. He is a cilantro boy. He's Mexican. He so, you know, got to gotta have love for the cilantro boys. And I always joke with people, never shake his hand. Because he is going it's, to crush your it hand. Envelops you. <laughs> Not that he envelops, but he crushes. It's such a hard handshake. So I go for the dap. I learn. I oh, go for the man. dap. Don't for the crutch, or you'll, you'll be in a or the, the handshake. So hopefully Scott still comes to games and stuff. Yeah, you know great. he always makes that uh, jalapeno peanut brittle. Yeah, that's uh, good. and an excellent uh, chef. Oh uh, my god, grill master, barbecue stuff on Twitter. Like yeah. yeah, he's like it's like four in the morning. He's tweeting out like yeah at the store, pick it up. Bunch of sides of beef and stuff. It's pretty funny. Uh, but we wish Jason the best of luck there. Got another voicemail. Um, play it for you, Chris. Hey, Ryan Curtis. 
I hear that all transfers to USC have to be questioned by a panel of players, leaders of the team. If they don't want you to come there, you ain't coming. But if they, if you pass the test, I guess, of questions, you get in. I like it because you're getting the right kind of people. You know, not just the players, the type of person, the kind of goals we have, the type of people that we want. That's why we did so well. Everybody bought in. And you got to go through that interview with the players. See what you can find out about it. Curtis from Moreno Valley. All righty. What do you think, Chris? The top of that was that he heard – sorry, there's a lot going on. He yeah. said that they have to go through a panel. Is that what he said? Right. Uh, I, the, I the, think Lincoln Riley mentioned that they do ask for feedback from the team, like the guys who host them. I don't know stuff. about a panel of like USC people that you have to I, – I think the one thing, Curtis, though, the, to your point, is they're not just bringing in – I don't know all the processes they're going through. They're not just bringing in players um, because they're really good. They're they're trying to bring in people that actually fit the culture that Lincoln Riley is trying to establish for this team. So when you see a guy like Travis Dye, who was, you know, doing so good at Oregon and had a great you know great run there, coming in and instantly becoming like one of the leaders on the team, someone that. Uh, he, he wasn't like, hey, I'm here for myself. He was like calling out players. Like he was trying to make the team better. He's here and, to build something. Yeah. And I feel like that's the kind of guys there that to you want to give Lincoln around the credit because it's not just, hey, this guy was a four star or five star coming out of high school. Let's bring him in now. It's there. I think they're trying to get people that fit the culture too, that can contribute on the field, but also, um, you know, be part of the team and not would just be, if you're bringing in Jordan Addison who's a Blitnikoff award winner. And you think he's just going to come in and, and try to catch a hundred balls and leave and not even be like a part of things. Like, no, I mean, we, we see that happen in like college basketball where, you know, and I think it was like women's softball. Like you would recruit a, a pitcher from like Australia or something. She would pitch for like the season and never even like go to class and then just go and leave. And I don't think they're, they're trying to bring in people that are going to be a part of the whole team. And if they're, they got to be great players, but, it's not just that. I think that was, if that's Curtis's point, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think they definitely they definitely vet them to fit. Yeah. But I don't know if it's a full panel or such. Yeah, I don't know if every, like, if you have, like, a student, like, how they would have an opportunity to have, like, a whole bunch of students, like, interview you on your way in. So I'm not sure where you saw that, Curtis, or, um, but, yeah. But in general, it's, it's not just, okay, you're a player. If you think you're going to come in and disrupt the chemistry in the locker room, um, then that would probably be... I mean, be... it's cliche, but find the right kid for the locker room. But yeah. There's a reason why it's cliche. That's why it's how you should do it. Yeah. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, the uh, that California bill that they're trying... It's uh, Chris Holden is an assemblyman. Uh, he's trying to put through the College Athlete Protection Act. They did some version of this before, but it would basically allow Division One schools in the state to pay or force them to pay student athletes their fair market value, which would be an equal share of half the team. So the, whatever the team you're on their annual revenue minus what your cost of scholarship is. So most schools, the football team makes all the money. So whatever half the football revenue was 
they would split that up between the players. The problem is, I mean, there's a lot of problems with this, but um, and I don't know enough about the bill, but you, the way college athletics work it works is the the revenue sports subsidize the non-revenue sports, and I know there's some contingencies in the bill like you can't cut sports if you have coaches or administrators making more than five hundred thousand dollars a year, which everyone does if you're at a big time school, um, but that half of the football annual revenue is paying for the other sports. Um, so I know this is an interesting one. It could have ramifications. California was the first to put NIL through and it took off, you know, all the other States started adopting it. The NCAA allowed it because it was happening. This could be another sort of like, just, you know, get, you're just starting, you're just lighting the fuse and it's kind of going down and impacting college football. But I don't know if you or Chris talked about this at all, but uh, I am Chris. I'm sorry, you and Gerard. No, we haven't it. talked about this. I'm sure we'll mention it in the next show. Yeah. He loves to dive into... Uh, oh, any kind of stuff like this. Bills on yeah. the horizon with NIL relation. There's there's a lot of problems. And like, if you're in another country, the federal government pays for like the Olympic sport development. We have a different model here with its collegiate sports. Like That's where the Olympians come from. The government's not paying you know, UCLA to get their gymnastic program going or whatever, or water polo, like the schools do that. And all those sports, unfortunately lose a ton of money, but football makes a ton of money. And in some places, basketball makes money and other places, um, you know, baseball can make money or, or, you know, and the sports that make money make a bunch and they pay for their expenses, but they also end up paying for all the other sports. Uh, USC has 21 of them. And then, you can't pay the players legally, so you have to kind of reinvest into the football program and you hire more staff, you pay more money for coaches, you have recruiting budgets that are you know through the roof, but you're trying to keep up with everybody else because you can't spend you can't like, oh, we're gonna give the quarterback more money because you're not allowed to do that. They gotta spend them somewhere. But if uh, if you have to take half of the revenue that you're making and pay the players with it, I don't know what happens to the Olympic sports. Like they could be SOL. So, um, yeah, this is going to be interesting to kind of follow along. I don't know if it's going to pass. The first version of this did not, um, but they're bringing it back again. So we'll see what happens there. Any other thoughts? Or you want to move on, Chris? Move on. Josh wrote in, hey, Ryan and Chris, to answer your question about North Edwards from the last pod, North Edwards is a really small town, like no traffic lights, four-way stop signs, small, in Kern County, just outside of Edwards Air Force Base. The news of Cal Ford going to UCLA is a little surprising. I'll be the first person to admit I know very little about football, but even with my lack of knowledge, this doesn't seem like the best football love. Dorian Thompson Robinson is graduating from UCLA after seemingly 20 years on the team. Who's going to throw to him? There isn't even a, quote, going to the rival feeling for me. Outside of the last UC outside of last season, UCLA hasn't been very good. He's been going from playoff contender to a team who, uh, four out of the last five seasons, um, a losing team from four of the last five seasons and barely eligible for a pay less pro wings bowl presented by the Hallmark channel thoughts from Josh. I mean, they have a five-star quarterback coming in top five overall prospect, Dante Moore, Dante Moore coming in legit. early in role. probably going to be the starter. So yeah, he'll have growing pains, but he is a supremely talented quarterback and you need wide receivers for your 
supremely talented quarterback to throw to. So I see it on I see the on paper why it makes sense. You know, they have a five star quarterback guy under center is going to be talented. Yes, he'll have some moments of freshman mistakes, but you know you can grow with him. You can win some games. Yeah, um, I mean you're leaving a Heisman Trophy quarterback, right? Like obviously he's good. You have a playoff contention type of team, but maybe the, a way to look at this would be is uh, it's a weekend, June, and you got you got free two free passes. You and your girlfriend are going to Disneyland and, you know, but the ride, the weights, the lines are like two hours long. You don't get to do as much, but you're in Disneyland. You're in the you know happiest place on earth. Um, you got free tickets, which is great. Or they're like, hey, we got Knott's Berry Farm is closed uh, for a private event, but you can get in and you can go do all the rides and you can just, it's like you're a big fish in a little pond over there. Um, and going to UCLA, he can be that, you know, he could be that guy. He can be the guy, uh, at the wide receiver spot versus one of many guys at a team that's got a higher ceiling, you know? And I, I get it. Like, do you want to go to Knott's Berry farm and have the you know rule of land? Or you want to like wait in line at Disneyland? I don't know. I mean, I think that's more about what's going on here. If that, does that make sense to you, Chris? I, wasn't your cleanest analogy, but sure. <laughs> also, Chip, good. Chip Kelly, good offensive mind, too. I think they'll have a good offense. Yeah, and it's going to be a run-first offense. Um, Kyle Ford, good, good run game blocker. He's a good blocker. But I think he'll catch more balls at UCLA than yeah. he would have at USC. Um, and could potentially be the guy. And like, he could start. You talk about Mike Bobo a lot, right? Like, Last year, if you're talking about UCLA, you're like, oh, that's Mike Bobo guy. He's like, he's drink every place. time Ryan says Mike Bobo. Yeah, he was he was good. The transfer from uh, from Duke. Who? Like, yeah, like who was he? Mike Bobo. <laughs> drink. John in Oakland. Uh, Ryan and Chris, I'm really nervous about the upcoming 2023 football season. Looking at the daunting Pac-12 schedule that USC has been given, uh, that while you should be you while USC should be better, so will Oregon, Washington, and Utah. Defenders of Coach Riley keeping Grinch have pointed to Texas and the second-year improvements their defense have made after Sark chose to retain their defensive coordinator. However, he also added defensive-minded former head coach Gary Patterson to his staff with the title special assistant to that coach. Do you think Riley should try something similar? Fight on John and Oakland. That is interesting. And they did bring in Gary Patterson. Um, didn't help them beat TCU. But they're, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I, we haven't seen Riley bring in kind of guys like that. Clay Hilton did a couple times, and it seems like they sort of needed some of that. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure if they would bring in, like, a defensive guru or someone else to be, like, a special assistant. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. I don't anticipate them doing something like that. But I know somebody said bring in uh, Jim Leonard as a special defensive assistant. Like, no. No, he's going to be <laughs> – did he get a job somewhere? He's I don't not know. had a job right now. Interesting. We just triggered a bunch of people. We shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you should, yeah. Ah, that's my fault. You that's did. That's my fault. Yeah. yeah. Mike in the Bay Area. Hey, Ryan. With Caleb Williams at quarterback through at least next season, what do you think the chances are of Lincoln Riley keeping Miller Moss out of the transfer portal? If he goes in, it would be a post-spring. Um, they, would be, they would be okay if they did that. I think they would like him to stay. 
But yes, it would definitely be post-spring. Malachi Nelson, it's going to be interesting because Malachi Nelson is coming off that labrum surgery, probably not going to participate in spring at all. He's definitely, I wouldn't, ex- I know it's his non-throwing arm, but I wouldn't expect him to be out there. Yeah. You, you want to be real careful with the shoulder injuries, even though it is his <laughs> non-throwing. You'll have Miller Moss, you'll have Jake Jensen, you'll have three quarterbacks capable of going. So Miller won't really have a gauge of where he will be at because Malachi is not participating. Right. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's not helpful for Miller Moss because your five-star quarterbacks probably aren't going to be around there. By right. the way, it's Jake Bobo. I kept calling him Mike Bobo. It's Jake Bobo. I'm gonna be honest. I did not realize. I know you didn't. You were you were making fun of me just because I said it a bunch of times. But I said it a bunch of times. Mike Bobo did not sound right to me. But also, what do I know? So, <laughs> Jake Bobo. Who's a Mike Bobo? I'm not sure. Who Mike Bonebo. Mike Bone. No. Bo. Thanks, so LBC it, it'll yeah. be after spring, but it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting because. Miller Moss could definitely beat out Malachi Nelson, if that makes sense. Yeah. For that second team job. It's just would he will he want the second team job? Or will he would he prefer to go somewhere else and maybe be a starter? Mm. But he would have less time to learn the offense if he leaves after spring. So there's a lot of different decision making trees that are going about this. So I think they but I think they would be okay if Miller Moss left because you would still have three quarterbacks. You have Malachi Nelson and Jake Jensen. Yeah. Uh, you hope he stays, but, you know, we'll see. I think I think Miller Moss would have liked to get more opportunities and probably the defense Certainly. didn't allow that. Uh, they were in closer games than they should have uh, been. We got a couple YouTube questions we'll get out of here. Cameron, uh, do you think the offense is set for 2023 with its recruits and transfer portal guys that they need more on the offensive side? I mean, if you get Deuce Robinson, splendid. Yeah. I think they would only add an, another wide receiver if it was like a big-time major dude. Yeah. And you might add Jacoby Lane as well. You know, took his official visit this weekend. Uh, the six foot four Arizona wide receiver that did not sign in December, only USC signing that did not. So between Deuce, six foot six, Jacoby Lane, six foot five, you're getting some big size there if you bring those two guys in you sign those both both those guys and then maybe another transfer offensive lineman maybe another tackle just for wow just for more depth those would be the only really three things i think you would really want to be adding for this offense okay those are the things i see and then craig wrote in uh on the chat how will the uh, late bye week affect the trojans college football playoff rankings and williams heisman chances I think they'd be in a pretty good spot, like if they ran that gauntlet. Yeah, they, their gauntlet is set up. So if you do well the end of the you season, do what you're supposed to do. You're gonna be, be yeah. You could lose a game, be eleven and one. You're you have a bye week, so it does help your college football playoff chances. Or if you're close, like if you're eleven and one team, the bye week helps you in the championship game. So that gives you a better chance to win the championship game, which would give you a better chance of making the playoff. Um. Not being active in the final week of the season for Caleb Williams, I think, I mean, you're already kind of decided at that point. And then if you put the cherry on top at the championship game for the Heisman. Um, so I don't know if it impacts the Heisman at all. It's more of the, the late season gauntlet is where like everyone's going to have your eyes. And I think the Pac-12 did, nice, yeah, the, the Pac- did a nice job. 
a lot of the marquee games are later in the season. So like you could have what was great about the Pac-12 this year is you had like five or six teams ranked. You needed some non-parity too. You needed some really garbage teams, and there was garbage teams that everyone just beat up on. Um, but you know, like you have an Oregon and Washington game fairly that's earlier, but a lot of these big games are later in the season. When USC goes to Eugene, uh, that's when Washington's playing Utah. Um, so stuff like that's happening later in the season. So you have a chance for all these teams to be like in the top 15 and then play each other at the end, as opposed to like playing early and like losing and then never kind of getting back into the rankings. But all these teams could kind of get off, you know, four and zero starts and then start uh, being ranked and everything. And that's good for the whole conference. So. Yeah. I don't think it hurts that much. No. Cause you'll still have plenty of opportunity to build your resume. Yeah. The most important thing for Caleb Williams is that he already won the Heisman. So it makes it really difficult. Um, if he goes absolutely bonkers and the team's undefeated, he would have a chance. But like you have to like the numbers would have to be ridiculous. And he was just the turnovers, like how few turnovers he had. Like, how are you going to repeat that? Like, that was just so hard to do, you know? Yeah, his primary focus is getting back to the championship game. I know as fans, you look at it like, I want him to win another Heisman, but right, he's he, one that, sure you know, it's like so to. hard to win it again, but yeah. he just wants to win. He could have, like, you could argue Bryce Young, like, was more important this year than he was the previous year, but he wasn't, like, really in that kind of thing. And maybe, you know, he went through the whole season with, like, one turnover or whatever. Like, it was, like, so – and then at the end had a few, right? So it he still won the Heisman and, like, added a few late turnovers – so maybe like if you had that many, like if he had like five picks or something, um, well, that was worse than last year, but he could still have a lot more touchdowns and stuff. And maybe that would help. Uh, Mike Bubba was a quarterback at Georgia. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I was wondering where that was. All right. Well, we've been going on a while. It's been, it feels, hour and a half. Shows feels like nine. It's been like nine years. Hour and a half. Show. Uh, well, we appreciate everybody. If you're tuning in live, thank you so very much. If you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms or watching the replay on YouTube, thank you for that as well. We really appreciate you being part uh, of our little show. We'll try to get these live ones going uh, regularly with Chris and I both in the studio. We are still planning to do a Cilantro Boys live one on signing day, right? Yeah, so that is still we'll on track. Gerard is off the grid. Took a little staycation, a vacation. Yeah, for his birthday. it was his birthday. That's true. So he's off the grid, but we got we got no donations. But when you and Gerard did it, tons of donations. That's Ryan awesome. said he's going to come through this time. Is that true? What for this live for signing day? Yeah, I will help out. I'll be around. He'll be around. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to monitor the money. That's all he's going to do. I was just like, hey, I, I you got paid? Come on, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know who else got paid? YouTube got paid. YouTube, yeah. YouTube Took takes a 30% lot of thirty percent. It's crazy that cut. How much do they take? Um, but yeah, we, you know, it was just so funny cause I didn't even know like chat, like chat revenue or whatever was a thing. Like people, but they, you had, they had so many questions that people were posting so they could get their question to the top and everything. So. Yeah. I don't expect that much for this time around, and, but we are greatly appreciated yeah. the crazy amount of money that we did got. That was, that was crazy. And we did not expect that. We got like our first like $5 donation. She's like, Oh, that's fun. Maybe we'll get $15. Not <laughs> Seven hundred dollars. <laughs> we didn't expect that, but there were people fighting over who was doing. <laughs> there was it was so much fun. So I'm excited to see what it looks like the second time around. Maybe we'll do some more fun things uh, for this show. Maybe we'll plan a little bit better than just like going off the top. But I'm aiming for five hours. I want to go five hours. We did four hours last time. So 
And this time I'll, I'll record it, the whole thing, because I forgot to record the the first 30 minutes. Right. Well, I, I'll probably be in studio to help you guys at least sure. get it going everything. But uh, all right. Well, that's going to uh, wrap it up here uh, for Chris Cervino. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Make sure you check out uscfootball.com for lots more coverage of all of everything that we talked about. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 